Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for being with us. Right, both myself, my co-host, who are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. Um, we spend some of our weekdays with people like yourself, helping plan their financial future. And I said some because it's summertime, and I think we have, most people have had a little time off here and there. Anyway, we are, we broadcast this program on the weekends for you to um, be your financial advisors on the air, help you with make some wise choices with your finances. That's the hope. Peace. That's the hope. Yeah, hopefully get yeah financial stability, peace of making mind. the right kind of investment decisions, which is it's difficult. Yep, <laughs> you is. look at all the studies. Um, we, well, you know, Scott, of how people underperform the markets because they, they I get just freaked out about things. I read an article this week, but like, okay. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up. It's called America's retirees are investing more like 30-year-olds. And it talks about... Crypto? Cash? No, no. It talks about... Day trading? Unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't. It talks about how much uh, exposure older people, older being people like myself, and older 55-year-olds, 70% of their portfolios were in stock versus in 2011, 38% of... And this is at Vanguard. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, Vanguard's 401k. So they looked at the age of everyone that Vanguard has a big 401k division. And they know the age of everyone and they know the asset allocation. And so they looked at this and those that are 55 years of age held 70% of their portfolios in stock. Or over age 55. Or over age 55. Versus... 10 years, uh, 2011, 38%. So how much of that was based upon the financial crisis? Because we know, Pat, we've seen it firsthand, the the mistakes people made during the financial crisis, which was, because that was a nasty one, right? It it was nasty. It was... Excellent point. point. The markets dropped about a half and, and some much worse. So people at the worst times... Took their money out of... That's why... People underperform the markets because <laughs> right. they don't because they react to the markets. When markets go down, you should re- increase increase your allocations, not decrease your allocations. Well, if you believe, then the markets over the long term go. Oh, up. if you believe that, and over the long term, and I did personally myself increase my and with my clients that would allow me to do so increased uh, their exposure yeah, to so equities. The, the question I think, Pat, is that our are older people holding more stock by and large, or is it just that? Because we did go through, I mean, we've had two bear markets in the last three years. We had a very short one that yeah, caused I by mean, the it lockdowns. Was like you couldn't even, you could, which we are all wondering if we're going to live or die during that time. So it was a very strange yeah, yeah, couple months. Like if you blinked, you missed it. Correct. And then, but then uh, last year was, it was rough. Yeah, kind of a nasty one. So, but the markets, man, they're on a tear this year. Uh, yeah, but so you're thinking, okay, this is 2011. So people, this is when the study was compared to 2011. You're thinking people either didn't, the portfolios had fallen in value, and that's why 38%. Ah, good point. Excellent point. I don't know. I think that actually, I, I mean people own, own by and large Americans own more stock today than they did twenty years ago, forty years ago. Yeah, yeah. But due to low interest rates over the last what? How many years? Ten years? Yeah, you're in the eighties. You even get double digits on a money market. <laughs> right? Right? It's pretty hard to say I'm going to give up this to go to something that who knows what it's going to be worth. Yeah, I mean think about that. If you're getting a double digits, yeah. Heck, I remember wasn't that many. Well, I've been doing this a long time. It was a long time ago, but government bonds were yielding d- double digits. In my life, my career. Yes. I mean, it's... um, I think that it doesn't... Regardless of your age, your equity exposure... um, It shouldn't have much to do with your age. It shouldn't have anything to do with your age. 
And right. the only thing that age would be your time horizon, like when you might need some of your money, right? So the theory behind that, Pat, is that you're 40. Well, your retirement savings, you're not going to touch for 25 years. But now you're 65 and you're still going to like, well, if a, cu- a married couple yeah, 65, there's a 50% chance one of them is going to be alive in their 90s. In the, to their 90s. And so now we've got a 25-year time horizon again. Uh, many of my clients, I actually don't invest for them. I invest for their children. Because they know they're not going to spend it in their lifetime. And investments are based on timelines. I mean, so you take a 70, let's take a 75-year-old individual or a couple, let's say, that um, they have way more than they're ever going to spend. Yes, yes. Let's say they have $5 million and they have a modest um, lifestyle. Quite common. Right. Yes. They have the five million because they worked hard and they saved over the years. And small business owner, great just, saver, just a good saver, right? Right. Good saver. Uh, they and, don't change. By the way, they don't change their spending habits most after they save the money. It doesn't happen. That's right. And so you look at someone like that. You're like, well, we know at least two or three million is not going to be spent. And we at Allworth will actually segregate. Some of those accounts at times, if that's that makes the most sense to make so that we say, look, this has got a 15, 20, 25 year time right on this. We're going to go 100 percent equities and you're going to ignore it. We'll manage it, but you ignore it. And oftentimes people don't want to give up the assets yet. Right. So it's not like they want to transfer to their kids yet. Yes. But they can take on more risk because their time horizon, the money's time horizon is that much. longer. Well, Scott, I got to tell you this this week. Uh, very surprising. I had a client call me and said, uh, I'm going to gift X amount of, a lot of money to his three children. And I said, well, this is kind of, you know, something, something happened in his life. Uh, he said he had thought, he said better from a warm hand than a cold body. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it quite that way. <laughs> I thought, ah, that's interesting. Wait. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll tell the story later about about an inheritance and someone saying, uh, Scott, if you have time, I'll tell you the right, right way to set up uh, for a family inheritance or the wrong way. It was a, from a grandchild, 40-year-old grandchild. Who received the inheritance. Yeah. And they told you the story. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll well, that's – in the radio business, that's called a teaser. Well, that's because I want to – we got to go to calls here. <laughs> okay. I don't want – poor Lupe has been waiting forever and I don't want to keep her – anyway, if you want to join the program, I'd love to take your call – 833-99-WORTH is the way to uh, schedule a call with us. Or send us an email at questions at moneymatters.com. We're talking with Lupe. Lupe, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Yeah. Hi. Uh, so should I just start out saying my situation? <laughs> Please. Please. Okay. So I, my husband and I were married one year. So we did the first time our joint taxes this year, and we were just amazed that we paid like 31k just in taxes because it was our first time joint, you know, uh, filing joint. Did you make him pay the tax bill? Excuse. Did you make your husband pay it instead of you? Uh Well, we both paid it. Okay. (laughs) And how old are you? But it was hard writing that check just for taxes. Uh, I am 51. He's 59. Okay, and you were you're married one year. Yes, we and, we got married one year ago. And uh-huh. 2022 was the first year that you filed to married uh, filing joint. Well, this year we this year we married. Uh, this year in May was one year. So this uh, last year we still filed, uh, you know, separately because we were okay, together, but, but not. But married. you filled this spring for 2022's tax return. Is that correct? Oh yes, yes. Exactly. Okay, okay. Okay, yes. so and you paid thirty two thousand dollars in taxes. Thirty one thousand. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so this year uh, we're thinking of um, uh, what should we do? Should we? His idea is of uh, buying a property or a, a a house or duplex, buying just something. And my um, uh, another recommendation that was given by our tax accountant was that. To open up his uh, SEP IRA since he's self-employed, I have my 401k. So I've, I've always been investing since I started working for my 401k. But he ha- he doesn't have um, since he's self-employed, uh, he doesn't have an IRA. Does so he? Ha- so does he have any employees? 
No, not yet. He's uh, thinking of adding uh, myself uh, as an employee. And how much was his? How much was your 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 just a gross income last year? Oh, um, after his business expenses. Okay. Okay. So let's say let's say it's two hundred thousand dollars. So if if you're looking at ways to reduce your taxes, which is what it sounds like. That's our main goal. We don't want to pay next year again. So buying a, a, a buying property is not going to help you one iota. If your income, once your income is what, 125,000, Pat, it's somewhere in there. Yeah. When your income exceeds, um, I think it's 125, somewhere in that neighborhood as a married couple, you start losing the your ability to deduct any losses on a, on a rental property. And you might have losses because you would have, in, let's assume you'd have a mortgage, you'd have interest expense, and then you could depreciate the property. So it's a technique that could work well for people that aren't in the higher income areas. But once you're in a higher income, you, you don't lose those losses. They get carried forward, but you don't get any current benefits. It's not going to help your tax bill one iota right so now. So buying the property, but the SEP IRA makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay. And actually, I would go past the SEP IRA. There's so many ways you could do it. You could set up a UNIK, which is a self-employed 401k, which actually oftentimes has a larger number that you could put in pre-tax. Or you could actually set up what's called a defined benefit pension plan. I don't what's know. Your, how much of the 200000 what was from his business and what was from your income? It was mostly his. Um, I thought of it. Uh, I, I was um, – last year I was smart enough to think about taxes. And uh, so I was putting almost 50% of my income into our for, uh, my 401k to prevent, you know, otherwise we would have had way more, you know, tax um, bill. Uh, so it was mostly his income. Yeah. So mostly, it's mostly his income. Take your accountant's advice. I mean, you could have, you already, you've already filed your tax returns, but I don't know. I don't know if your accountant suggested that you, I mean, you could, had you not um, filed your tax already, you can do a SEP contribution. Up until the latest date that you do an extension. October 15th. You can't a SEP, can you not? Or is it just a uh, qualified pension? No, a SEP. Okay. And a UNIK, oh. which needs to be, a solo K needs to be set up in the calendar year prior. But not funded. What, not is, funded. The uni- what is it again? I never heard it's of It's a self-employed, they call them solo Ks, UNIKs. They're self-employed 401Ks. Very they low just cost have, to administer. Yeah, they, they, they act just like IRAs. You can get them anywhere. I and mean, you can put up to 66 grand a year into it. So There's a lot of money that you could put in there. If you don't have an, any employees, it's a good way to, okay. It's well, it solves two problems. One, it reduces current taxes, but second, what do you, it helps for your retirement. What do you guys have in your combined retirement accounts, your 401Ks, IRAs, that sort of thing? Uh, uh, not a lot. I have um, a little bit over one hundred thousand. Okay. And can you live on a lower income? Yes, we can. Definitely, we can. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's so. You're, I think you're, the most big, the most important thing for you guys to do, in my opinion, you're my family. I would say you need to set up a retirement account for your husband and get uh-huh. serious about yeah. saving for retirement. And by the way, you could have. You could have actually funded a SEP for last year, this year. Your accountant oh. should have taken the conversation one step further rather than saying, you should do this. He should have said, you mm. should do this now. So Assuming that you could write a check now? into it. You know, you've already yeah. filed your taxes. It's too mm. late now. Okay. So, uh, so for next year, when, when, do we, when should we do it? Today. Now. To, right now. Yeah. Right this, now. This okay. minute. As soon no, as you I mean, get off the show. Oh. <laughs> this year, oh. you should start planning on, like, I, I don't know if you're paying quarterly taxes because June 15th. Yes, he, well, he's being self-employed. He has, he's very. Um, uh, Diligent about paying his quarterly taxes. He's very disciplined. He always keeps uh, 25%. Okay. In, in, you know, four taxes, uh, and then the rest he sends to me to put it in our savings. All right. So account. what you want to do is set up a Unike right now and start funding it on a monthly basis so that you're not scratching a check at the end of the year into it. Uh, you how could do you actually, spell that? Unike. So uh, it's so, I think Unike solo is K. a solo K. Solo K. I've heard I think some that. company. Solo. I think some company used the Unike and trademarked that name. I think it's a name of a particular product, whereas a solo K is the name of the concept. I think you're right. I might be wrong, but I don't know. <laughs> you can so it's a, one, you're find it's a self-employed 401k. And you could actually okay, have the the money come right out of your checking account to go into it. Oh, okay. But you said it's a self, um, self-administered. Uh, you, it's, a it's self- not invested. No, no, no. It's, inv- it's just 
It's a it's a low cost way for a self employed individual with no employees to set up a retirement account. So unlike the the burden of a, a company that's got a bunch of employees that have to hire some folks to yeah. run some tests and oh. do the tax special tax return, this doesn't require those. It's and, a very streamlined plan. For, it's designed for people with no employees. And your accountant mentioned the SEP, which is called a SEP IRA, which might which may. Accomplish all you need to accomplish. But, but why would you bother doing the SEP when the limits are higher on the self-employed 401k and the administration? I, mean, well, I would do the solo K before I did a SEP. Yeah, personally. So yeah, you can't do both. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, you can. You have to do one or the other. Yeah, that's right. Just do the self-employed 401k. Alrighty. Okay. Yeah. I was leaning more towards that, and he was uh, insistent on, okay, let's buy a house. And that's not going to help your tax. I, realtor, he, she was like, bye, bye, bye. Oh no, yeah, yeah, it's not going to help you. Do you and, have cash? Do you have cash set aside to buy a house? Uh, not a lot. Okay. Plus, there's more risk in that. <laughs> so now you're talking about going and buying, taking a loan out at a higher interest rate to buy a piece of property at pretty high values today. And, and using leverage. And uh, and not being able to take advantage, and not getting any tax breaks whatsoever today. Yeah. Uh, oh, once so. again, your husband was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she never oh. saw that until they were married after a couple of months. Like, oh, wait All a right. minute. He's appreciate, appreciate the call. Yeah, glad you called, Lupe. It, um... Yeah. You wonder, with the SEP, SEP IRAs, there was no UNIK. I was trying to remember, is it 15, 20 years ago that they There's, actually... Yeah, that they came out with them. Yes. 10 or 15 years ago, something along those lines. Yes. Yeah, they worked really well. There's a, by the way, if you are self-employed, um, there are a lot of options for you in pension plan stuff. And if you are a, a um, highly paid professional, let's say you're a, a dentist, dentist. <laughs> or a <laughs> medical doctor, you still in your own practice. You got a couple employees. And particularly if you're like in your 50s or getting close... You can set up these plans that are like a pension plan. They're called defined benefit plans. Yeah, where you can uh, funnel sometimes a couple hundred grand or more. Because they're based on the, uh, the you set a number of what the pension is going to pay you at retirement. Right. So as an example, let's say- You've done it with people that have 80% of their income going into these things. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> and you can do it without any employees too. But like, yes. let's say you're 58 years old and you set up a plan that says, I'm going to have a pension. That my company's going to pay me a pension five grand a month for the rest of my life, beginning age 60. And you're 58. Run the numbers. It's like, holy crud, we need to put a lot of money into this plan. There's some limits on it, but you can funnel- Massive amounts, and then you gotta you gotta look long term, like what not, not just tax planning for the current year, but and several years out. They're relatively complex, and you can do them. You could use some Roth for some of this portion as well, but they're relatively complex. They're relatively complex versus an IRA or SEP you, IRA. You don't want to do it if you're making seventy two thousand a year. Yeah, yeah. If you're making three four hundred thousand dollars a year and you're self employed, and or maybe maybe even north of yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's that or, or north of there. Then, then that yeah. they can make make some sense. Oh, I've seen some. You just shake your head. You're thinking, "Wow, this is what when they talk about loopholes, this is what we're talking about." What like I, what like, I here's how I view the whole tax code. Like Congress comes up and makes this makes these silly things, and then every every year or two they have another bill that they change, modify this and that. Oftentimes there's some. They're trying to do little favors to repay for political gifts. Um, I mean, it's a cynic in me. Perfect example. Uh, uh, my own children, my last child out of my four graduated from college. And there was some money left in the 529 plans. And I know that you can convert these 529 plans into Roth IRAs for the children at some point in time. And I thought to myself, holy smokes. What percentage of the population actually? I don't think this was designed for the McLean family. <laughs> okay, well, but, but who's it designed for? How many people, their kids finish college and there's money left in the 529? What percentage of the population? And I thought to myself, why did anyone bother putting this into code? For the one, one? Yeah, so there's a perfect point, right, Pat? <laughs> like, why? This is a perfect example. And this just came about. Was this a this was this a year? Secure Act 2.0? Yeah, it was part of the Secure Act Secure Act 2.0. Who? 
when it passed, I thought, this is crazy. And so what this, what this provision allows for is that if there's money, excess funds left in a 529 plan that is not going to be used for education, a portion of that can be converted to, is a, it an IRA or a Roth IRA? Roth IRA. Oh, a Roth IRA without paying the taxes. Without paying the tax. <laughs> but the money has to be in there for, I think, 20 years. There's and- some limits on it. But when, I remember when it came out, we're looking at like, what? This was clearly a tax gift to the wealthy. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who else is going to benefit by having excess funds in a 529 I plan? thought to myself, all the time and energy that went into writing this tax bill, what percentage of the population will actually, it even one one hundredth? If that, if that, not, not, not 1% of the population. Because the way it's supposed to be, Money that's not used for 529, for education, which you could always transfer to another beneficiary. So you can do it to a grandkid or whatever. I, that's what I'm doing. But if it's not used for education, if you withdraw the funds, any of your deposits come out without any taxes because they weren't. there's no deduction, but all that growth is supposed to be taxed as ordinary income. So this was a provision that reduced the tax revenue, clearly, 100%. to benefit a very small portion of the population. And it's... 98, 99% of them would be in the, in the wealthier. Uh, anyway, I was going through the 529 plans for my children. My, my daughter's going to law school. Uh, and you think there's going to be leftover funds? Yeah, there is. Oh. She got a, she, she, oh, she got a good scholarship then. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, really? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking you have that much extra money saved for law school? You're like, Oh, Scott, it's unbelievable. She's a very good student. Oh, yeah. I was like, she's like, well, this apartment's pretty expensive. I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I mean, she served a, as a teacher oh, yeah, in the yeah. inner city. She got for her a master's in education. She went to a low income school. She taught for three years in the lowest income school. She's going in to educational advocacy, and that's why she's going to law school. I mean, if, the kind of people you want to go to law school. She's not going to be a corporate litigator. She may. Okay. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if she changed direction. All right. All back, right. Let's go. No, back to um, the, 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 so the, you mentioned loopholes, right? The, the, re, the reality is the tax code is highly complex and you can choose to ignore it if you'd like and pay much higher taxes or you can you can sit and search and find all of those provisions that can be beneficial to you and navigate through those provisions and just have a financial plan to minimize your taxes both this year and in the years to come. Yeah, but you don't know what you don't know. Right? right. So you wrote an article this week for you write for investment news yeah. or and, yeah, and you read them? I do. Oh. I actually read the one this oh, week, you. which is why don't a certain percentage of the population hire financial advisors? That's right. Right? And you Because may- I struggle. Because oftentimes I see people and I'm like, man, had we met you 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, last month, like the things we could have helped you with. Yes. Not just the investment side, not just the how do the portfolios allocated, but how the tax, how the whole thing fits together. So my how point, it all fits together. Like so when you were talking system. about loopholes, right? So Lupe called us for <laughs> about a loophole, <laughs> about loophole. Lupe loophole. Um, but I, I thought to myself, I read that article and I thought to myself, it is so true because you don't know what you don't know. And so, but I think the reason people don't hire financial advisors, Scott, is because. I gave three or four reasons. I forget what they are. But, and the reason is because there's not a lot of good ones. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. You can't tell good versus bad. You can't tell. Even if someone is a certified financial planner, they might just be insurance salespeople that have that designation. In disguise. And they want to sell insurance for, regardless of what your situations are going to sell you life. But you can't tell good tax. You can't go a good attorney, but you still hire them. Well, if they're a reputable firm. Okay, that's exactly it. 
That's exactly. If they're a reputable firm, they're then yeah. you've got a firm that stands behind them. Yeah. And there's a certain level of um, education. That I actually, so I read your article in Investment News this week, and I thought about this gentleman I I sat with 30 years ago, and he said to me, you know, Pat, I don't really need any advice from anyone. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm putting these tax-free bonds in my IRAs. So that I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> You're thinking, buddy, if there's anyone who needs an advisor, you need an advisor. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. We'll uh, take some more calls. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for being with us. Let's uh, let's talk, take some call. Let's go to California talk with Bob. Bob, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, good morning. How are you folks? Wonderful. How are you doing? Good. I got a question on Social Security. Uh, My wife and I are both retired peace officers uh, from California in CalPERS. We're both max. We both did 30-plus years. I opened a business. We've been retired nine years, and I opened a business immediately upon retirement. We both got into law enforcement. Uh, My wife in her early 20s, well, both of us in our, our early 20s, uh, I'm 60 years did old you, now. Bob, did you dream when you were a young man going into in the law enforcement that you'd be in your financial position you're in at this time? With a 90% pension of what you were in uh, a business with extra... I mean, I imagine you were in an extremely fit financial situation. Yeah. No, yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. You didn't imagine that? <laughs> okay, never yet. All right, so what's I, your... I started investing in a 401k... Uh, with the state, I, I hired on at, at 20 years old. Wow! Met a gentleman my very first day. He showed he was six months from retirement, and he told you and what to do. And he showed me what he had done. Good for him. His Good financial and 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 he said, start with 25 a month yep. out of your check, and then put half of your, uh, you know, your raise each time we got a raise, put half of it into your 401k or 457. <laughs> and my wife and I did it both. Things, the same Good thing. for you. Good for you. So what's your question for us? Well, my question is when I started the business, we both had minimal quarters on social security. Uh, I had like 12 and my wife had like 18 or 19. I started as an LLP, put her as an employee of my business or excuse me, a partner of my business, paid her to get the 40 quarters. I think she's actually got like 44 okay. quarters. I'm continuing to work, plan on working for probably, I'll probably work forever. I don't think I, at this point I'll ever retire completely. Uh, we also have a cattle ranch and, and are in the cattle business. So between my other private business and, and our cattle, like I said, we'll probably stay you know forever. Okay. My question is Social Security. I mean, I've I've talked to people and they've told me that as a CalPERS, we only get 40% of the eligible benefit. Well, that's, yeah, they call it a windfall elimination provision. Although, but but it doesn't apply to every CalPERS employee. Did you pay into Social Security as a safety worker? You did, did you not? No, I did not. Okay. 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 All right. So there it does. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And so in order to, in order to qualify for social security benefits, you need to have 40 quarters, which isn't necessarily 10 years worth of employment because you can get four quarters in one quarter by, I forget what the wage is. It's really small. Um, but you've got your 40 quarters. It sounds like both of you have your 40 quarters now, which, which qualifies you for social security. Now, if let's assume you let's assume you paid into Social Security your entire career, Social Security looks at your entire wages over your lifetime to come up with the to determine how much your your monthly allotment should be. Because you've only been paying in the last ten years, although you might think I've paid a lot into Social Security, you're not going to get the same benefit 
as somebody who has contributed in the last 30 years because you didn't did not contribute for so many years. So you will be you will be eligible for Social Security, but not at the full amount. And it won't probably 40 percent is probably a a pretty good assumption, 30 to 40 percent. That's what guys I've I've worked with that have, you know, already have their 40 quarters plus. But I thought then I was told that at some point when you work long enough and in the amounts you pay in. They actually don't windfall you or or restrict you. It's news to me. I don't know that. Okay, I've never seen that because one because of the Calpers. That that's what public safety. I mean, yeah, I mean, that. guess they they were, they were yeah. It's because well, it's because you didn't put. Well, you, you were in a government program that you did not participate in Social Security. You did not pay into it during that time, nor did your employer. So okay. let's assume they had since the time you're 20 when you first started working, and let's assume you continue to work till beyond age 70, which is the maximum date you would want to defer taking Social Security, like. If half your career you didn't contribute to Social Security, and half you did, then that you, you would assume half. that you know, roughly. So, half. so, are you worried about this? No, not at all. Just okay. It, it kind of a decision factor of how much longer I'm going to work because of the amount of money I'm paying into FICA out of my private business. Okay. Well, here's the, yeah, this. How is much an money? How much? Yeah, you this ma- is where it wait, gets wait. challenging. How much money do you make in your business? Uh, pushing two hundred. Okay, and <clears throat> have are you paying any of that in dividends? So there's two things to look at. The what business. kind of what's your business? Uh, Consultant, a private investigator. Sort. All okay. right, well, you don't have any choice. You might have a little bit of. And how much? How much is the uh, the rest of the family income? Pensions. Uh, and- 100, 180, 190,000. Okay, so you're not spending all this money you're making. No. Okay, earlier in the show, we, we talked about cattle ranches and stuff. Uh, earlier in the show, we actually talked about uh, defined benefit pension plans where you could put tons of money in. Um, and the older you're you the are, perfect. you're the perfect. Like it was written for you. So okay. a defined benefit pension plan, you could write are you, it. Are you putting any of the 200 grand into SEP IRA or, or self-employed yeah, I for? A, I have a SEP IRA, and, when, and then we both do personal IRAs every year. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we it, do that. I had I actually I listened to your first call while I was on the phone. Okay. And and heard about that defined or the yeah, solo. Yeah. solo <clears> it's something you may or may not look at as soon as we get off the phone, I'm gonna look into. <laughs> yeah, but how much you? Even if you did it on a Roth, some on a Roth uh, basis, which would might make, make sense. sense. But it's got if he was sitting in the office today, first time, with you, what would you recommend? Like, I would look into the defined benefit pension plan. Yeah, particularly if you and oh yeah, I'd look into all those options. And then I'd ask him a bunch of questions about who's he's investigating. <laughs> <laughs> and are you here to investigate me? Or are you really looking what for is, what does a private investigator actually do? What do you have? Uh, yeah. How much it's, money by do the you way, have? Still, uh, by the way, how much money do you have in four hundred one k's and IRAs? Uh, between us, pushing two mil. All right. And you're how old? Uh, Sixty. Mm, I don't know. I don't know how much more I'd want to put in. You can on a Roth basis. Yeah, on a Roth basis, that would make sense. Because you make too much for a Roth. No, but you could set up a self-employed four hundred one k and and put it in yeah. on a Roth basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about Roth so you're IRA. We're talking Roth about IRA. Roth. We're talking about Roth four hundred one k. Oh, okay, Roth solo. Okay, yeah, yeah, four. Yeah, I, I did a SEP. I started with a SEP, and I put the max of that yeah, my yeah. very first year. I, I, I mean, the, the, I don't know the thing you've got going that. for you is, is you've got a nice pension, but it's taxable to you. So when you start having to take money out of your retirement accounts, it's going to be added on top. But like if, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if it make, how much more it makes sense for me to continue to work because of the taxes, it always makes sense because you always get to keep a portion, even when your tax bill starts getting high. And you're at a point now when you, you're essentially in a federal 24% tax bracket, pretty squarely w- right within there. And state, you're, I think you're 8 or 9%. You're 9%. Um, state of California. State of California where you reside, about 9%. So let, 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 let's call 33%. You still get to keep 67. And then there's FICA. 
on the majority of your income, which is fifteen point three. But there's so lots, it's about half. But there's lots of planning uh, opportunities here. Yeah. I forgot what your question. I was. know. Did we answer anything? <laughs> oh, Social Security. <laughs> I think we get excited about like someone comes in without a lot of planning opportunities. It's not that interesting. Someone comes in with lots of planning opportunities. I guess as financial advisors, it gets a little more interesting. So yeah. that's all. Yeah. The social security, it is what it is. There's nothing you could do to change it. Yeah. It nothing. is what it is. So okay. don't worry about it. There's nothing you could do. And to- you don't really need it. And if it comes, it's bonus. Uh, I, and by the way, if I were you, I'd well, take it. Well, he's frustrated. He's paying 15.3% of his uh, income. Well, that's, that's my point exactly is when you're paying that out. and then I You're going to get that back. And you're saying don't, and don't, by, by the, don't, 2032, it's going to be gone. Don't view – well, it'll be, it'll be depleted and they're going to have to make some changes. Don't view Social Security as some retirement savings. For you. It's not. It is for a large percentage of the population, Scott. It, you it's a social retirement program where they confiscate a portion of your dollars and then they determine how much they're going to pay you when you're old. No, That's under, all it is. Look, look, for him, it's not retirement savings. Pro. For half the population, they... Well, it's a good thing it's in place because otherwise <laughs> they would be starving. Well, we don't know that either. Otherwise, they might take... Uh, Other government benefits. Or responsibility for their home okay well, <laughs> so no but in your situation you should start by the way as soon as you're eligible without penalty you should start social security benefits even Which if you're working be, what, 62 oh no 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 because you're still working at that point in time it'll be oh. 67 at your age okay right but 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 you should sit down with a qualified advisor you've got Tons of planning opportunity. Tons. Because of your income and your age. All righty? Okay. All right, yeah, Bob. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it, Bob. Good talking with you. And But that FICA tax, it, it, here's where it's a real problem. Um, you've got, well, I'll give you a prime example. I've got a, um, a friend of mine. He retired relatively young. His wife has a phenomenal job, so they're at high income. They're at the top tax brackets, um, and he was going to start this business, which he knew that would never make that much money, but he was interested in doing it just because it was something that was interested in doing. And he says, I started running the numbers. When, I, when I'm already at 50% taxes, tax bracket right now, I'm going to have to pay 15.3. So now it's 65%. So he's like, I get to keep 35 cents on the dollar. It's not, he's like, it's not worth going through the hassle. Wait, you just told me. So taxation uh, causes changes in behavior. Is that, that's what it's designed. My friend was going to set up. He went and they started running the numbers. He's like, Scott, what for? I get 35 cents on the dollar. That this is what this is. So there's a, that there's a marriage and we had a call earlier that when they were married, their taxes went up. The marriage may or may not have impacted that. But there are clearly times when, it, when a married couple, they benefit. Should file separately. No? Well, maybe. But very rare there. But there's all, a lot of times when it's you get penalized for being married as well, financially. I wish I had a wife that made lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, got out oh, of- I was feeling sorry for him until you brought me at that point. <laughs> now that I think about it. All right. Um, Let's continue on with the call here. Let's talk to Fred in California. Fred, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. How you doing? Hey, Big Fred. fan of the show. Thank you. Good. All right. So my question is, um, so I have a prudential variable life insurance that I um, got in 1993. Okay. Wow. Um, the, the original face amount was 60 grand now, and then the current death benefit is about 70 with an annual premium of $432. However, a prudential a representative reached out to do um, uh, propose a 1035 exchange yep. from that variable life to a pro-life custom premier too. So my question is, is this beneficial? <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's the cash value in this? For the, um, that one is 150 grand, but the 1035 exchange. No, 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 no. Your, current, your current policy today 
has a death benefit of 70000 How much cash is in there if you were to cash it in today? Yeah, it shows a cash value inside of it. How much is in there? Oh, I'm not sure because I was trying to look at the fine details in that one. How much have you been putting in? Four thirty-two a year. Uh, Four thirty-two a year. How old are you? I'm forty-nine. Um, do you have children? I have three children. Do you have other life insurance? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm in the military reserves. Um, I have SGLI for five hundred thousand. Um, I have an employer um, life insurance um, um, for two hundred thousand. So we've got seven hundred thousand dollars and seventy thousand dollars in cash. So this is I, a death benefit. A, a death benefit. We have no idea what the cash value is. I, I first of all, probably not a lot. He's putting four hundred bucks a year in. Yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, uh, without knowing the cash balance, the cash value of the existing policy, it's hard for us to answer the question. But if it's, I don't see how this is going to benefit you to get into a new contract with new surrender charges. I don't either. I, I just can't I can't even think of a hundred different ways that it would hurt you. I can't think of a single <laughs> can you think of a way that that you would justify this if he's Matt <laughs> unless he's the life insurance sales guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wonder I, I I question whether you need the policy at all I do too. Whether you oh, should really? just surrender okay. it, yeah. I, my guess is it doesn't have much cash value in it. I, my guess is it probably has less than ten grand in it. Wow, you've been okay. putting in, you've been and, putting. And so let's assume there's ten grand in it. What happens if there's a death benefit of seventy thousand and a cash value of ten thousand? That's sixty thousand dollar difference between those two. That's in pure insurance that you're paying for internally with that policy. It's probably the most expensive $60,000 of, of insurance that you get anywhere. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, so I, my guess is, and you can call back um, the show once you get the cash balance and we'll actually give you the exact number. I, my guess is that you could actually surrender this thing with, with probably little or no gain in it so that it's not a taxable oh, yeah. event and just take the money and put it. You probably don't even now. need a 1035 exchange on it. That's right. Well, Let yeah, me tell you, you do. what yeah, you do. Yeah, he, we, we, they're, they're, okay, explain how this thing works, Scott. So Pat and I both started out, I think, Pat, you were in 1989. I was 1990 at a, a large insurance company. We lasted a couple of years, left. Look, we're, there are times, like, I own life insurance policy. I own term policy, and I own a variable life policy. I own the same kind of life insurance policy that you have, Fred. Okay. Um, the The challenge with the structure of... The industry is that the guy or gal who sold you the policy back in 1993, my guess is they're no longer still with the, still longer with the company selling policies. Even if they were, right. they're not getting paid anything by making sure that Fred's policy is doing what Fred needs. So what happens is some agent, probably a younger agent, trying to figure out how to survive, they only make commissions when they sell products, finds Fred's little policy and says, oh, what? Here's a guy who's paying four thirty a year. He's been paying since nine for thirty years. I bet I can move him to a new policy, get paid a new commission, and um, find a way to make it sound beneficial to him. And start a new yeah, surrender. That's charge. exactly correct. That's exactly correct. Yep. The, I never had a, like uh, the contact before from a, a representative until just just maybe about a month ago. So if you're a long term listener and you're like, why is it that these guys aren't always that excited about insurance? It's because of this. Look, life insurance, when there's a need, you're foolish not to have it. That's right. You are foolish not to have and it. And there are times in life where you need permanent insurance. Permanent insurance. Whole life, universal life. There are times when those products make tremendous sense. But now is but not one of them. But the typical middle class individual who only needs life insurance for a finite period of time, a term, while they've got kids dependent upon them, for the majority of Americans, there's no sense having these kind of policies. And then when you can't have actual... Uh, an advisor who's looking out for your own best interests, the whole structure is to generate another sale. Surrender the contract. Just okay. Just Perfect. surrender it. Um, yeah, surrender okay. it. Yeah. If you were well, if you were if he was your brother, you wouldn't even have to talk this long. You would have said, "Give." Sorry, I actually would have said that. <laughs> I was like, "You did what? What? <laughs> get rid of that? Get thing. rid of it? Yeah, just get rid of it. it don't spend the money. Uh, you know, put it in Roth or that four thirty a year. Have it go somewhere." Yeah. All okay, right. We'll 
Perfect. Thank you, Scott and Pat. Appreciate the call, Fred. That's pretty funny that we (laughs) we guessed exactly what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen the movie. Oh, I started, the I started in the movie for <laughs> a couple of years started. out of college. Right. Actually, I was a, I was a, uh, an extra because <laughs> I didn't really, <laughs> really, I didn't really sell much. Actually, I, so in the movie thing, it would be the guy who got the wing. I actually sold more in my first year in that business you than did? anyone. Yeah, I sold my my car. <laughs> <laughs> I sold my furniture. My I wedding sold, ring. I sold everything. Yeah. <laughs> Are you making fun of my joke? Yeah, it's pretty funny though. Hey, I had mentioned early in the program, Pat, that um, I was going to mention, uh, I've got a friend who says to, comes to me and said, if you ever want to learn how not to set up things um, with a family member. Oh, inheritance. An inheritance. Okay. And it was a, um, a vacation home. Okay. <laughs> so... And apparently it was supposed, I guess it was in a trust at one point in time. Now it's no longer in a trust. How many kids in the family? Well, these are grandkids. There were six owners. Okay. And we've seen this a bunch, right? Because I have a friend that three of them uh, inherited a vacation home on the East Coast. And one of them is located on the West Coast. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Well, what ended up happening is there's, uh, there's expenses to keep them up, all that stuff. And so I apparently one wanted out. So they, they, they went to the rest and said, look, we need to buy his, this person's out way out. And so the, my friend like didn't have the cash to buy the other person out. So that person that wanted out is in. No, that my, my friend's out. Oh, he's had come up with the cash. Oh. And so I was just having more conversation. So they pushed him out. Yes. Like if you don't have the money to buy That's what happened. a pro rata share. That's what happened. You're you're just out. My guess is there was no operating agreement that was put in place. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's probably no operating agreement. It's just majority rules. Period. 51% rules. And my in the others just went and said, "Hey, you got to co- come up with this cash." Like you got to come up with thirty grand, or you're just out. Yeah, and so More whatever than thirty, <laughs> a, a lot of money. It, yeah. So he he has no economic value in this inheritance whatsoever of this vacation property. Not anymore. Wow. That that has litigation written all <laughs> over, and it. it's family. Yeah, and I said. Well, so clearly you'll be able to have a chance to use it periodically. And my friend's like, no, that's, I don't think so. Holy smokes. Right. And so it, it was one of those things, Pat. Um, and like, we fall, we see it all the time. We, we've been financial advisors for three decades. We oh. see it, right? But it was just a conversation I had with a friend just, just this last week. And it got me thinking about inheritances and the right way to structure inheritance and the wrong way. And really thinking through, because this was two generations. This was a family vacation home, a nice home. Memories. You can only imagine. Now bad memories. <laughs> and the, some of the division it created within the family. Because the reality is, you're, when you go down, particularly your grandchildren level, they're not all going to be the same place economically. A hundred percent. Not only economically, geographically. Geographically. I have a vacation home. I had the conversations with my children. Don't expect to ever receive no, this. I said, they said, well, who, where will this go? And I said, it is nothing but an asset. It, 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 it looks like a brokerage account. Or an IRA, it's nothing but an asset. And when you got four kids, right? Four children. So go out 25 years. They're not all going to be the same way. That's what I said. I said, it is not, if you leave this in a trust that requires it to be in the family, I said, what happens if one of this thing is at Lake Tahoe? What happens if one of you is living in Boston and the three of you are living with an hour from this thing? But all four of you are responsible for taking care of it. I said, the, the, the kid that's living in Boston is going to feel cheated and it's going to create division in the family. So it is 
any it's an asset like any other asset. I don't care how many memories you had here. It's pretty rare you see um, these vacation homes adding more value than not when you start going down the generation or anything, anything, family home, right? How many times have you seen a family home or one of the kids? Typically, the one that's not doing all that well is living in it, and mom and dad die. And that kid thinks he gets to live there or she gets to live there forever. He. I think it's useless. The kid's life scene has been there. <laughs> I said he. <laughs> it is she. The, the guy, the kid they, never grew up. Whatever. Yeah. So I had this conversation with a client this week. Decent net worth, number of pieces of real estate, three children said, I want you to sit down with your kids and explain to them why you own each part of real estate and what you think should be done with it at your death. And he said, what do you mean? I said, look, you probably would sell some of that real estate today because it's not a great. But the capital gains. But the capital gains. And, you, and you're of the age you don't want to go through an ex, a tax-free exchange. Your death is when that real estate should be, basis. Sold, should be sold. Perfect time to... Perfect time. Yeah. Anyway, we are approaching the clock. We're about out of time. I want to let everyone know, um, we, we pre-record these shows during the week, so we have a norm- we can have our weekends off uh, and have a kind of a normal life, which we appreciate. Uh, but we what we do is, on our calls, um, we will tend to schedule times that will take calls. And so we've got a, a special session. We're going to be sitting in the studio on Thursday, August 3rd. From 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, 9 to, 9 to 8 Eastern time. And we're going to be in the studio just taking calls. So you can call during that time. Or uh, even better, if you want to uh, set up a time ahead of time, schedule a time to have that call, uh, we can have it at that time. Uh, so do, the way to do that, send us an email at questions at moneymatters.com, questions at moneymatters.com, or call 833-99-WORTH. Again, that'll be Thursday, August the 3rd from 3 to 5. Pacific. It's been great being with you. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. We'll see you next week. This program has been brought to you by All Worth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.